what's so cool for me, even beyond the show, is because you guys understand how much of a parallel football is with actual business and life, you know? Good, how are you guys? Man, doing good, man. Great. Sitting here bitching and complaining. All we do is argue like <laughs> like a bunch of girls half the time, man. So yeah, welcome to my life too, dude. It's uh that's that's how we roll around here like a big family. So that's it's all right. good. That's yeah. right. Hey, no secrets, man. That's that's all that matters, you know? Yeah, that's right. Get all out on the table. We'll work it out. So can you you know what? We're gonna press record. It's recording? Yeah. Okay. So, Andy, I have Tyler Klutz, who's to my left, played fullback with the Cowboys for a number of years, all over the league, actually. Tyler's been – Tyler holds the Guinness Book of World Records are getting cut by the most teams in the NFL. <laughs> but, <laughs> sure, the most, the most distance traveled for my wife by herself having to move our oh, family. Yeah. So. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ben Gibbs is to my right, some other co-hosts, man. Hey, Andy, how are you, man? So, Good. How are you guys? It's good, good, man. Yeah, so uh, Ben's given us a bad time pretty much about everything. So Ben does a lot of our social media, um, and it's usually at mine and Darren's expense. Uh, so I'm going to throw him under the bus right now, and Ben is your biggest fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> so not only, not only from the supplement side. It's not side, true. It's not true. <laughs> but uh, not only from the supplement side, but also from the podcast, right? So Ben is, ben is very much like, the the brains and muscle behind this does a, a ton of work behind the scenes. I can't believe I'm saying nice stuff about him. No, Why am yeah, I doing what are you the first doing? Time ever. What are so, you doing? But uh, but yeah, no. So Ben, um, you know Ben is a is a huge uh, huge fan of yours. You know from a um, platonic and not not <laughs> yeah not a creepy, not creepy like <laughs> I, I think about you with your shirt off. Not, nothing like that. Just uh, just I mean, love. Dude, I, I do take a, a progress picture every day, man. I can just forward them over. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Just share. <laughs> hey, hey, believe it or not, that's my background on my phone. So keep them coming. <laughs> oh man, well, where are you guys at? You guys in Texas? Yeah, yeah. we're we're in Dallas, man, and okay, we're going cool. to. Well, not to your level, but we just see. We heard that you just started. You just built your studio out. Yeah, in the new headquarters and all. Yeah, so you guys, you guys got to come up and check it out, man. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So congrats, man, on that. Thank first you. of all, yeah, uh, we're doing ours right now out of my house, looking for a location to yeah. take down to do do uh, be more professional. Yeah, and what we're doing, and we're serious, man. This is not, you know, we ain't gonna be no fly by night shit. This is no, dude. That's yeah. I get it, man. It's a. Uh, it's a powerful platform. You know, you got, I tell, dude, I get people hit me up all the time because the, 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 you know, the longevity and the consistent popularity of the podcast on my end has been really cool. And people are like, well, dude, what's why, how do you do that? And dude, it's just consistency, man. It's just, you know, a lot of people will do one show and then they'll do two shows and they'll do seven shows. And then they go two months without a show. People can't, that's yeah. not how they work. You know, yeah. you gotta, if you, as long as you're consistent, man, it, it, it'll you'll get to the top quick. Yeah, and I think the popularity, right, with podcasts, everyone, I can do it. I can do it on my iPhone. I can buy a little roadcaster yeah. and I can record this. Then, okay, hey, they may build a following. Then they get a sponsor to come in and, and yeah. throw some money at it, but then they disappear, right. right? You see it all over the place, right? And you're exactly right. The consistency, like, like yourself, like Joe, like Ryan, the guys have yeah. been doing it for years and years and years. That's, I mean, because that's, you become part of 
you know, someone's community because they're listening to you, you know, twice a week, you know, once a week, twice a week, three times a week, depending on who you are. And man, that's, and that's really kind of, we're looking at you guys and the model that you guys have, have yeah. set. And for us, we're like, man, we don't care if we make a dime for a year, yeah. two years, we're just going to keep putting it out. Man. I love doing this though, man. This is like, it's so therapeutic for me. Dude, like for just, me too, hear, yeah, just yeah. here's the stories and different points of views, man, that I can just for, for a fucking minute, just listen. Yeah. And just yeah. hear that people pour into us, man. And I, yeah. that's the, that's the reason why I, every day I'm thinking about this and I know Ben, again, he's our, he's our mainstay and Ben's going to bring us in, man. Dude, we've, uh, already, we've already been recording. We're, I, I know we it. are, but let's, let's, this is it. We're, yeah. we're going. Ben, who we, who we talking to for those that, that as in your words, <laughs> can't read the title on the, on the subject that they just clicked. Yeah, yeah. It's, who are we talking to? This isn't the radio where you just randomly find a station. You clicked and you know you're listening to Andy Frisella, yeah. the man, the myth, the legend. So Andy Frisella, the founder of First Form, uh, but also a podcaster. And what you guys were talking about earlier, actually the genesis and, and the thought behind what we do yep. actually was, was started by us listening to Andy, yep. the MF CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't remember, honestly, I don't remember when, when I discovered your, your MF CEO project podcast, it had to be two, three, four years ago. Yeah. And the things that you talk about are real. They're transparent. Exactly what we talk about on this episode. And more than that, they're so necessary for society right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you. we're going we're gonna to get to things yeah. that are going down right now here in a little while. Yeah, for sure. But the message that you're preaching is exactly what everybody needs to hear. And that's, that's exactly what we're wanting to do out of this. That's right. That's right. So, Andy, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Man, Andy, you know, part of, like Ben said, you know, the genesis of, of what we're doing is a lot of, of what you have done and the, and the, the road work that you laid for, for guys like us that are new in this. But, um, you know, for us, man, we've just been like really obsessed with people's journey, right? And how they got to where they're at. Uh, and I mean, you have an incredible story. You know, obviously your father was a, a huge, uh, you know, uh, mentor to you and, and he impacted your life in so many ways and taught you so many lessons and let you learn so many lessons. Um, unlike a lot of, a lot of us parents, right? Like we want to do everything for our kids. Like that yeah. wasn't the case in, in your, in your situations, but we want to go back and we want to hear how Andy Frisella became the MF CEO and, you know, real AF and, and yeah. how form started, right? Like we want to hear that. And, and we're, like Ben said, we're going to dive into, to all the stuff, you know, that you're working on now and, and what you're doing with the podcast and, and why our country is, is the way that it is, man. We want to get into that with you a little yeah. bit, but we want to start back in the beginning. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, dude, I, I, I grew up, uh, you know, regular dude. Uh, we lived on a little gravel road here in Missouri called Mooney Lane and uh, a, a tiny little house that my dad actually built himself. Mm. And, um, you know, he was a business guy. He owned a, an electrical company. Uh, they, they sold, you know, electrical supplies, wires, breakers, wire nuts, anything to do with that. And he was usually working. Um, my mom and him got divorced when I was, I think, five. I mean, and, and it was a good thing. You know, the only, the only memory I have of, of them being together was, uh, was actually them being in a physical fight. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's no good. So, right. You know, they, they got, a, they, they went away, they went their separate ways and they were able to be amicable and, uh, you know, life worked out. So uh, who'd you end up staying with your mom or your dad? 
Well, at first it was my mom when I was younger. And then when I got to be about 13, 14 years old, I moved over to my dad. Um, and I grew up, you know, as a teenager with him. So I kind of had, you know, both scenarios going. Uh, when we, we used to do the thing where it was uh, every other weekend with my dad and then Wednesday nights. And it was like that for a long time. And then finally, when, it, you know, we, I got old enough to really decide where I wanted to go. My dad lived closer to where I went to school. Yep. So that's really why I picked that. Um, but my dad was, you know, he was an entrepreneur, man. So uh, he was busy. He, he had to take care of business. And I didn't always understand that growing up. Um, but he was always there for, you know, you guys all athletes. He was always there for all my, my sporting events, dude. And when I say he was there, it wasn't just the games, man. He was there for practices. He was there for, you know, for the games. Uh, I, I don't think he ever missed a fucking practice. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so Sal and I both grew up, you know, probably a lot like what you guys grew up doing the sports thing. And, um, you know, then uh, I was all, I always had that entrepreneur spirit. I was just a little fat kid, man. Like I was a, I wasn't gifted athletically. I was just bigger than everybody at that time. What was this? In the way you, did you play football? What sport? Yeah, yeah, I played fullback, man. So that was my bread and butter. I, I did pretty good in high school. You know, I had a uh, chance to play D1 uh, a few different places. I, I took my official visit to Colorado State and uh, I ended up uh, getting hurt real bad at the end of my senior year. And then I, got, I found my first girlfriend and I started smoking weed and I kind of forgot about football. And I started I started uh, thinking about what I was going to do to make money. And um, so I, I was kind of a degenerate, you know, so to speak. Like I, at that time, it was more like, damn, dude, I can't believe you're just like fucking this dream up and, and doing all this, you know, stupid shit. But, you know, I mean, it was my first girlfriend. You guys know how that goes. It's <laughs> <laughs> blind love, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, uh, and for a long time, that was a huge regret of mine. You know what I mean? But now when I look back and I'm like, dude, I, I got to be honest, you know, I probably wasn't good enough to play in the league and I probably wasn't uh, going to make a lot of money doing it if I did. So I, you know, I think I kind of fell into the right thing. And, and so uh, when I was 19, we started our first business, my business partner, Chris and I it called supplement superstores. Um, it was uh, uh, like a GNC a sports, sports nutrition retail, um, little bitty store. We had $12,000 that we, had uh, accumulated from painting the stripes on parking lots. And we, we used that money to pay our first year in rent because when we were 19, nobody would rent to us because we didn't have any credit. Uh, and this was down in Springfield, Missouri, which is about three hours southwest of St. Louis where we live. And um, so we found a landlord, his name was Mark Tharp. He, he said, okay, I'll rent to you guys, but you guys got to pay your rent up front for the year, which was a thousand bucks a month, which was 12 grand. Um, so, so that was the only way we could get a spot. So we got that spot and then we, uh, we, we got credit cards on campus. And back then you guys all remember, like you could get a credit card for breathing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That 25% interest rate though. Yeah, that's right, dude. 24.9999. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All new low rate. <laughs> yeah. So we had a, we had a bunch of, uh, you know, three, four, $600 limit cards between the two of us. And that's how we financed the build out of our retail store. And then our first uh, initial inventory, which was only $10,000. And, uh, 
And then, uh, you know, we opened up our first store, man. And we thought, you know, like kids think like, oh, dude, we're going to open this store. We're going to be business owners and we're going to be on yachts and, you know, with, with all the girls and, have right. all the, we thought, you know, and we thought that was going to be like tomorrow. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. so what, what, I'll just say, why supplements? What, what led you to that? We were both athletes, just like, you know, you guys, we were, we were into lifting, we were into performance and it was something that we were naturally into. And then we knew a guy who we, we had observed another guy that we knew who had sort of got into that and, and uh, did pretty well. So we, we, we took, you know, our interests and then what we saw might work and it, it worked. Our first, our first concept though, was actually to open up tanning beds and we couldn't afford one tanning bed. So <laughs> that idea got thrown out right away. So like, uh, which is funny. It's funny how that works, man, because, you know, tanning kind of got wiped off the face of the yep, planet. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I guess, you know, God was looking out for us or something, but it just so happened. We, we got into the nutritional supplement game. Uh, first day we sold seven bucks, you know, and we didn't have any ads. I remember we ran one ad when we first opened, we ran a $400, uh, ad in the local newspaper which is called the springfield news leader and that 400 bucks dude was like all we had and we're like this is gonna work don't worry you know it's people are just gonna come in off of it fuck dude we had one guy come in and it was a guy we knew it was a guy we knew from the bar that we went to yeah and then the next day it was zero dollars the next day after that i think it was like 23 it took us eight months to have a day over 200 dollars um, you know, Chris and I lived in the back of that first store on and off for the first two or three years. Um, and then, you know, the first three years we didn't make any money. Uh, it was, it was zero, literally $0. Uh, we worked at bouncing in bars and then also at this, uh, at the student gym at, uh, Southwest Missouri state, which is now Missouri state. And, um, and that's how we kind of lived for, for a long time. And then three years in, we started to be able to make a little bit of money and we started paying ourselves $695 a month. Three years in. Yeah. Three years in. Oof. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And then, and then we paid that us that same amount until we were 10 years in. So our first 10 years of business, I only made $58,000 total. So <laughs> yeah, like not per year, like the whole 10 years. And, um, so when humble beginnings, you know, it really doesn't describe what we went through to get here. And, no. and, you know, and then 10 years or nine years in, you know, we started first form. Um, and then we kept growing our retail company and we kept reinvesting and reinvesting and reinvesting. And, you know, this year, uh, between all the companies together, we got a goal of half, you know, 500 million is our goal for this year. We're, we're going to get real close. So, um, you know, through a crazy just, year through a, wild, through a wild and crazy year. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. That goal. You know, That's not yeah. this year's been, this year's been crazy, but it's also been good for uh, fitness in terms of people getting Cause you know, when people, when people can't really focus on anything else, they tend to, to turn inward. And um, that's been good for us. We've definitely seen that in our numbers this year. And it's been really cool to see so many people uh, retake uh, their mental and physical health, you know, back over during this, this crazy time that we've had, you know? Yeah. So, hey, so go back on, I'm sorry. Yeah, I need right. to go back on this. You, you, you mentioned Chris mm -hmm. and, and the relationship and you guys building this company together. Go back and tell us how did you meet Chris and you know, where did that relationship begin? We met him through football, man. Uh, he was, he was, uh, he went to my high school where I went and we were both the same class 
and he was a great athlete. So in the beginning, we actually hated each other because you guys know how that is, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we play, we played the same positions. He played. He was a tailback. I was a fullback. And then we were both linebackers on the de- defensive side of the ball. And he 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 was way better than me naturally, like super super good athlete. And um, so you know, I don't know if he hated me, but I hated him. <laughs> but uh, but we you know. We fit, you know, through the game, you know, we started, you know, you can't really do anything unless you have a good relationship with your fucking running back that you're blocking yeah, right. for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we, yeah, and so through through the, uh, you know, through the sport, we started to bond and we became brothers. And you know, I mean, dude, he's part of our, he's he's been part of my family since we were 14 years old. You know, oh, yeah. so yeah, so like, it, awesome. so here we have me, um, and then Chris, which are that we actually own the company. And then we have my brother, who is uh, is the president and runs the day to day. And we and so in that backfield, when we were in high school. My brother, who was the best athlete of all of us, was an option quarterback. I played fullback, and Chris played tailback, all in the same backfield. Yes. So oh, here we are, still doing this shit. Running right. board, run yeah. board meetings together. Yeah, <laughs> but that's you know it speaks to like the accountability because you can't tell me behind the scenes there were you went ten years. Oh, yeah. In this situation, there were no yachts and you no. were taking these big time vacations. There had to be some knockout drag out brawls to get this. I mean, yeah. with, with the personalities, there had to be some, you know, you have to build in order to build some things. You have to be you have to tear some things down at the same yeah. time. So how did that process work out? Yeah, it was the same. It's you know, this is what's in what's so cool for me even beyond the show is because you guys understand how much of a parallel football is with actual business and life, you know, and it's the same thing. Uh, you know, we would get in little arguments, we get in little spats, you know, we might, we, we never gotten like Chris, and I never really gotten any physical altercations. Um, maybe once or twice when we were, you know, drinking and shit and we were talking shit, but like, <laughs> you know, nothing that we didn't w- walk away from better for, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> so we've had our disagreements, but not, but the cool thing about Chris and I's relationship and Sal too, is that, we all have truly different personalities and different skill sets. And so Chris is very good at being organized and having uh, his mind around the numbers and his mind around uh, the X's and O's. I'm very good at strategic planning and how we're going to execute and what the temperature of uh, the customers are. And Sal's very good at actually executing the play. Mm -hmm. So we have, we've all been able to work uh, really you know, cohesively together because what, what I do is not what they want to do. And what they do is not what, what I want to do. And we all, none of us wants to do each other's job. So we all respect our roles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's like us, right. Is, yeah. is like Darren and I don't want to do all the scheduling, all the <laughs> production and all that stuff. We just want to come talk. Well, Ben wants to do all that and he doesn't want to talk. So yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Uh, and I want to go back to those first three years of um, uh, supplements. Supplement superstores. Supplement superstores. Okay. So go back to those three years because, you know, again, uh, as kids, as a 19-year-old starting up this business, you're thinking, okay, hey, we're going we're gonna to hit it big right away. Yeah. Going through that process, why do you feel like, especially those first three years, living in the back of the store off and on, three, away, three hours away from your home, what you learn through that process, whether it's resilience, whether it's strategy, whether it's whatever it is, what do you think 
as opposed to, okay, hey, you know, my dad just wrote me a check for, you know, 500 grand for initial capital to get this thing started. And, you know, we've got this rollout plan and we're going to open six, seven new stores next year. How do you think that helped you as opposed to getting that capital up front? Well, I don't think, well, first of all, if I had, I used to be really mad that we didn't have anybody that that would invest in us. And I used to get really pissed off. And I, I see this a lot with younger entrepreneurs, right? They say things like, oh, dude, I got this great plan, but nobody will invest in me, so I can't do it. And that's total bullshit. It's not true. And had I got the money, the truth is, I would have, I was so inexperienced at making decisions, responsible decisions when it comes to business, that I I probably would have said, okay, you know, I would have brought out my entrepreneur calculator and I would have said, all right, we got $300,000. We could spend $290,000 on ads. We can live on $10,000 and it'll replicate. And that would have, we would have wasted the money. You know what I mean? Because we don't know how that would have. So, I mean, it would have just sped up the death had we had the money. And I think the biggest thing that we learned uh, through that process was to I know what I take from it now. Like from then I was just pissed off about it. Yeah. Now what I take about it is the value of a zero options mentality. Okay. Yeah. We're either going to do this or we're going to be starving. We're either going to do this or we're going to be digging ditches. And that was the mentality back then because it was true. You know, if, if, if we didn't at least provide enough uh, money for us to live on, I was going to have to go dig ditches because I don't have a degree. And back then, you know, you, it's different now, right? Like, like we don't even look at degrees here, but uh, you know, back then it was, you know, if you don't have a degree, you're going to be a loser. And this, you know, entrepreneurs are losers. Now entrepreneurs are like, cool. And I'm like, fuck man, like it wasn't cool for me. Yeah. Just 20, 20 years too early. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, dude. So, uh, so, you know, it was just, at the time, it made me mad, you know, uh, but it was the best thing that, that could have happened to us because what it taught us to do was, one, make everything count. It made us operate as if uh, every customer mattered because they did, uh, literally, you know, like, dude, some days we only saw one customer. So that was a huge thing we took from that. Um, being conservative financially uh, and understanding that, as good as your idea may be, time is still a factor in the process of it coming to fruition. So a lot of people in business, you know, we see this every year when we watch the Super Bowl. We see companies we've never heard of that have a $6 million 30-second ad, and we're like, oh, that's cool, new company. But you never hear from them again. Yeah. The reason we never hear from them again is because that the time factor hasn't baked in people's brain to, to recognize that branding. So you know, and those are all lessons that we had to learn from being broke, you know, uh, being resilient, like you mentioned, that's a huge thing because dude, like, man, you know, getting up every day and showing up when you know, there's a chance you might not even see one customer. Mm-hmm. That's, it's difficult, you know, especially too, for us, um, you know, you got to remember we were in college. So like the first three years, everybody else was in college, but on the fourth year and fifth year, these guys, our friends started graduating. Right. And they started getting jobs for 50, 60, $70,000. Yeah. And, and, and they're looking at us like, 
oh, dude, you guys still running that little vitamin store? And like, dude, that was a bitter pill to swallow. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. How, how much of that ego? I mean, because if you think about it at that age, you know, you guys have been successful. You think about your backfield. All three of you guys were, were yeah. the star players on that football team. And yeah. then, you know, you go into the situation in which, you know, you're not having the success right away. How much, how, how did you deal with the ego and suppressing the ego part of this? Well, Sal was playing pro baseball. So Sal, Sal ended up getting drafted by the Cardinals and played pro ball with them. So he, he was still doing the baseball thing. So it was, it was just me and Chris back then. And, and dude, like, I don't know, man, you know, I never really had an ego to be honest uh, in a negative way because I never really believed in myself anyway. Like I grew up fat. I grew up bullied. I was a good athlete, but I was like, I was never the man. You know what I'm saying? Like I could play ball. I could, I could hit home runs on the baseball diamond, but I wasn't popular with girls. I didn't have a lot of like, I wasn't the cool guy. So like, I didn't have a lot of confidence, you know? And, and so I never, I kind of like, if we're being real, dude, like I had the complete wrong mentality. You know, I had the mentality, I was soft. That's it. Like I was a soft dude. And actually, if we're being real, that's what hurt me in my football career too. I, w I was soft and uh, I didn't have the right coaching and the right influences around me to make me believe in myself. In fact, I feel like outside of my father, um, every other influence I had around me, even at the school I was at, which is considered one of the best schools around, um, was negative. You know, I remember being in my, my uh, guidance counselor's office after, uh, right before I took the ACT. And he told me that if, uh, you know, he's like, well, you, you know, cause I was like a C student, you know, he's like, well, dude, you know, you, you, you'd be lucky. He's like, Andy, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I want to, I want to go to Notre Dame, man. I want and like, I'm clueless, right? Like, I don't know. I'm like, I would like to walk on play football at Notre Dame or at, at uh, Texas, you know? And, um, he was like, yeah, dude. He's like, uh, let me tell you something. He's like that. Th those kind of schools are for cream of the crop that that's not, those aren't for you. And that never, that always stuck with me, dude. Like that, mm -hmm. that one line, like, honestly, that one line probably paid for all this fucking shit. You yeah. 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 I remember everything uh, about that entire conversation. I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, it was a blessing. It was a blessing yeah. because, you know, I guess, you know, um, I discovered the ability of being able to take in the negative and put it out into positive uh, work at that time, you know, because I, in my head, I'm like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. You know? Like, you know, and, and that was my first taste of like, of that, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. and, and, and then that was like the first seed that planted. And then it took like 10 years for that mentality to fully sprout. Right. And, and then once I got, you know, once we got through the first 10 years of struggling, um, I, I started to realize, I'm like, dude, none of these people that I'm meeting in business have special skills. Like I always thought like, you know, that guy's got something that I don't have, or this guy's got something that I don't have. Just like most people do, like the victim mentality shit. Yeah. And I was no different. I bought into that stuff too, but I started to look around and I'm like, these motherfuckers are regular, dude, just like me. And once yeah. I started seeing that, then I started to fucking realize like, oh, okay, this is the game. And, yeah. and then, you know, that, that mentality of I can do this and that belief and that cultivation started to come out. I would say my ego... Pro, I, because I, I have gone through ego problems. I think everybody has. That's any good at anything. And so when I went from, um, you know, we went from making zero dollars, and this year I made any kind of money. I made one hundred eighty thousand dollars, and I thought I was fucking rich. And I'm like, this is fucking awesome, you know. And then the next couple of years, I went straight into seven figures. And so that was like, 
13, 14, 15. And during that time, dude, I thought I was the shit for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought, like, I was like, dude, I got it. Fuck all you guys. I put in my time. I'm <laughs> yeah, here. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, I, I, something happened along the way. Uh, I got pneumonia. So I got pneumonia and I was, I had to stay home for a few weeks. And during that time, I remember real clear, I, I was looking at my phone and I'm checking the sales and I'm looking at all these things and I'm like, fuck dude, we're kicking ass. But dude, I, I had let myself go physically. I was 350 pounds hmm. and, and, uh, and not, not, you know, there is no good 350, you know, but <laughs> you know, it was, it was bad. And, um, I started to think about it. I'm like, dude, you know, I had a real conversation with myself. This was 2015. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're, you're really not about anything that you say you're about, you know, you're, you're, and at this time, dude, I was, I had already built a, a speaking career and, I'm up there speaking about discipline and hard work. I'm fucking fat. And, you know, it had, a, I had to really be honest with myself and, and, and check my own, my own ego and my, and, and where I was. And, and, and ever since then, uh, that moment was, was created a lot of awareness for me because what I did was I realized that it didn't matter how much money I made. What mattered is, is it was I living to my standard and I wasn't. And that really fucked with me because, um, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow. I think, you know, yeah. when you finally realize like, you're like, dude, you're, you're, you're kind of full of shit. You're kind of just yeah. like the people that you criticize. Right. And, and that was a big turning point for me for sure. Yeah. Um, well, as I say, you know, what's interesting about that. I'm always fascinated by money and what it does to us, you know, yeah. mentally, you know, cause those first three years you talked about, you made, nothing. And then the next 10 years, $58,000 total. So I'm curious when you did make it quote unquote, when you were making the money you were after, was it as good as what you dreamed about and what you played up in your head? Those, those previous no. 10 years? Actually, no, dude. Um, and, and it's, it, it, fuck, fuck. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anybody, anybody out there who says is money not cool. They're fucking, they're fucking lying. If they say it's not, it's yeah, cool shit. I love it. And I love it now. I love it. Okay. But what I realized, and this is, you know, this is what, you know, a lot of people say, oh, dude, money isn't everything, but they never had it. Yeah. So, you know, money's pretty fucking important. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so it was cool. But what I did realize is that I was telling myself, I was baiting myself with more money, right? If I make more money, I'm gonna be happier. If I make more money, I'm gonna be happier. That never happened. Mm -hmm. um, the truth is, is for me, there was diminishing returns after a certain point. So, and for, and I think we all have that. We all have where that diminishing returns point comes. For me, it's very simple. If I could, so forever and ever and ever, dude, like if I went out to eat or went out to, you know, hang out with my buddies, I'd have to look at the bill, right? I'd have to say, oh, dude, uh, fuck. And I'd be sweating it. <laughs> well, what's the minimum tip I could give without looking like a cheap yeah, yeah, ass? Sure. So one of the things that really, so, so when I was able to start going out to eat with my guys or my team uh, or with my friends and I could get the bill and mm -hmm. I knew no matter what the fuck they ordered, I could pay it and it wasn't going to cause me a beat of sweat. Yeah, right. That was the spot where I was like, okay, this is cool. And then everything above that was just like a little bit cooler. Like, yeah. So, we all have that spot, right? And we have to understand that more money's not going to equate to happiness. Right. What I found for me is that while 
I do have, uh, having enough money to do what I want makes a huge, you know, I don't have to work. You guys know, I, you don't have to worry. You could worry about different shit. Right. And, yeah. and so, you know, instead of me worrying about the, my $230 a month car payment and making it, I'm, I'm worried about, uh, you know, is my team doing this or are they doing And so you're just worried about different things. And my, my, switch went from in that time when I was really having that conversation, it went from, you know, dude, this is about me to like, Hey, you know, you have like 30, this time we had like 30, 40 guys. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you have like 30, 40 dudes that believe in you and you're fucking half-assing it. Yeah. You're, fat, you're not doing what you could be doing. You're not a good leader. You're full of shit. And, and dude, at that moment, dude, everything's changed for me. Like I, yeah. I changed my focus I went from uh, uh, what I would say uh, egotistical, self-centered, um, well, not self-centered, but more self-centered, to focused on fulfilling the obligation that, that I have to return to my team that had put me in that position. Yeah. So when I switched that focus and I started going to serve my team and I went to make sure that they had careers and that they were doing better. And, and that would come from me taking care of myself. Uh, you know, life got so much better, dude. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that, that, yeah. that joy in when, you know, when you're, and again, playing in, in the NFL for 13 years, there's a lot of joy in the fact that, yeah, I'm making a lot of fucking money. I mean, yeah, money yeah. coming in and all that. But the joy doesn't come in until you can really apply it to someone else. Like when you yeah. see someone else grow because yeah. of what you're doing, or even as a business owner, it's not like you're just taking care of your 30 employees. Your 30 employees have a, a wife, a spouse, they have kids. And when you see that joy and, and them putting food on the table, man, that's when you start to say, okay, this money's fucking good. Yeah. You know, this is a good thing. I can make it for good. But when it's that's just right. like, I don't know how many times I've been, hell, we won the Super Bowl in 95 and we're in Phoenix and that's my hometown and we're having a good time afterwards. And you know, they got me up on a pedestal and yeah, it's your hometown and you're a yeah. old champion. And I'm like, dude, I ain't worth the shit. I mean, really personally, the, the, the dude, mm. I am no different than anybody else. Yeah. You know, I just happen to, we just happen to win the game today. But yeah. the joy, like you just said it, man, it hit, it hit home when you said that because I've been exactly there. I, I don't, I didn't, I've never felt good until I've been able to say, okay, well, I'm directly affecting someone else's and now yeah. there's the joy that's where the joy lies yeah bro and the cool thing is about that is that that actually that actually serves you financially yeah. so 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 when you Crazy. start to focus on the success of other people yeah. they reciprocate they do a better job they're happier they're you know you're happier because like now you know uh you know cody who started with me at seven bucks an hour has now got a real career He's buying a three-quarter of a million dollar house right now. You know, those kind of things, I'm looking at him like, fuck yeah, man. This yeah, is awesome. Good. Yeah, you know, good. a lot of people on the outside, you know, they 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 see success, financial success as, you know, selfish, like especially right now, you know, we got that going on. Uh, it's not a good thing. It, it, dude, money is a fucking tool. And I know people hear that. But you can choose to do selfish things or you can choose to do selfless things. Right. And the, the, the real key here is that when you choose selfless, it actually creates a scenario where you make more money. Yeah. You know? so, and that's the, cool, that's the coolest part yeah. about it. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. But man, that's a hard lesson to apply if you're not making any money. Yeah. If you if your bank account's totally. not full, that is hard to trust. Yeah, bro. Let me tell you how I learned that because it's a relevant lesson for all the young guys and the young girls listening to this. So 10 years in, like I told you guys, we were only making uh, uh, $695 a month. And so Chris and I, you know, we're getting, by this time, dude, remember like three, four years in, our friends were making 60 grand. Mm-hmm. Now we're 10 years in and these motherfuckers are making 150 grand or 100 grand. <laughs> and we're like, fuck, you know, we're, we're losers. And so Chris and I started to, to talk about, you know, hey, what are we really going to do here? Are we going to, are we going to really build this or uh, are we going to find other things to do or what are we going to do? And he ended up getting his uh, master's in uh, accounting. So he had a path that he could go on. I didn't. And I started looking at into, uh, I had an opportunity to get into the carpet cleaning business. All right. And I came about one inch away from being Andy, the motherfucking carpet cleaner. (laughs) All right. For real, dude. MF CEO of carpet cleaning. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So, so, uh, I went on the training to, to, to possibly take over this, uh, the Sears carpet cleaning franchise here locally. And I went to Columbus, Ohio, which is where their headquarters was at the time. And on the training, dude, I threw out my back like real bad. Like I ended up having Mm -hmm. to go to the hospital. And then I I laid in bed, uh, in my dad's house for like 30 days. I couldn't move. And, during that time, you know, Chris and I, I wasn't in the stores. Um, he, he was kind of running things on his own. We had a conversation where it was like, uh, dude, what are we going to do? And we kind of analyzed all the options for, for our, our individual selves. And we came to the, we, you know, I was going to have to go get dig ditches. I was going to have mm-hmm. to work construction and do uh, concrete because that's what we, what I knew how to do. And uh, and by the way, I have the utmost respect for anybody that does that job because it's hard yeah. as fuck. Yeah. Um, so we both agreed, like the good, the best thing about what we did in our company was whenever we would have someone come in and they would be extremely overweight or unhealthy, and then we would help them and, you know, they would lose a hundred pounds and they would come back in, you know, six, eight months later with tears in their eyes, you know, talking about giving us a big hug, talking about how, you know, much they, they changed their lives and, and, you know, how it's worked them out of a bad place mentally, you know, maybe away from being suicidal, things like that. And uh, we both love that, dude. And, and so we came to this conclusion. We were like, well, we're not really making any money with this, but we both like that. And we'd rather do that than go work at, you know, a construction company or go work at an accounting firm in a cubicle. And so we decided, we said, okay, well, we're going to keep going, but instead of trying to sell supplements, what we're going to do is we're going to try to replicate that as much as we can with the customer. And dude, when we did that, we doubled business five years straight in a row and and probably one of the worst economies that's ever existed. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's how we learned that lesson of, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't voluntarily, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, Hey, this is our strategy. It was more like we kind of got forced to make that decision. And, but once we did, dude, it paid off. So if there's anybody out there struggling with that, right. You're, you're, you, you know, you're, you're on the wire about, you know, whether or not you want to keep my suggestion to you is to focus on the benefit that you could provide for your customer a hundred percent, go all in on that. Mm. And then you'll see if you do that for, I mean, a very short amount of time, 
six, seven months consistently, your business is going to start to go. Yeah. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. And I, that's, that's the truth because when you, when you, if you're just chasing a monetary benefit, right? You're, that's not going to provide the fulfillment that it does. The money will come. Like, I mean, it's, it's really at this point now, right? It's cliche. Like do something that you love. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not like you work a day in your life kind of deal, whatever. But truly, if you focus on the value you can bring to someone as opposed to what they can give you and just try to sell something, whether it's a service or a product or whatever it is, if you focus on the value you can bring, that's what brings exponential returns, not just monetarily returns. You know, we're talking, we're talking fulfillment. And then you wake up, you're like, shit, I don't care if I see one customer today, but if I can make an impact on that, it's the day is worthwhile. That's right. That's right. I mean, dude, I remember the first, uh, the first like trade show we had to go to around the same time. And I remember sitting down with the, the three or four guys that we were going to go do this show with, uh, you know, we were setting up a little table and going to talk to people. And I remember telling them straight up, like the morning before we went, I said, Hey, look guys, I don't know what's going to happen. I, we might not have anybody talk to us. This might be embarrassing. Uh, but our goal as a team here is to get one customer for the whole day. If we get one person, that person's business and the business that we'll create off of that person will pay for this event for us to do. So let's just all go, dude, we probably, we, I swear, dude, we went to that event. We talked to 300 people, dude. And we probably picked up, we probably picked up five customers out of those 300, but those five customers still are customers today. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yes. And that's how we, that's how we did it, man. It was just straight up. Uh, one at a time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Before we get on to, to first form, I want to, I want to talk about the decision to, to create a product. Um, I want to go back. There's, there's a couple things that you said there is you had an awareness, right? Like, I think that's really important for, for people to hear when you talk about awareness, being able to self-evaluate, understand who you are, the position you're in, and then the impact that you can make. Because I think if, if you look if, if you don't have the ability to look at yourself and say, okay, all, all of this, this, uh, this shit that I'm spreading out there that I'm saying that, that I'm running my mouth, if I'm not living up to that, that's an unbelievable burden to carry, right? Because what, and, and like you, I know it just listening to you and this is the first time we get a chance to talk, but you want authentic people. You want people that are real, that aren't going to put on this facade, be fake, be like, you want authenticity. And if you are not yourself, if you don't have the awareness to look at yourself and say, hey, man, all, all of this, all of these things that I'm saying, I'm not backing that up. You know it, whether you, whether you actually recognize it, and that's the awareness comes in, right? Like, you know, if you're not living up to the potential that you have. Everybody yeah, does. Sure. I know it as yeah. something I always struggle with because yeah. there's, man, there's a huge portion of my life where like, okay, there was this role that I created and it sounded like you, you had that when, okay, when, when your company started finding success, it was like, okay, now I'm the guy, right? I'm the right. CEO. I'm that guy. I've got to be this guy and I've got to talk like that guy, but am I living like that guy? And I know that I'm not, whether I recognize yeah. it, you know, intentionally or not, but the awareness to say, Hey, who cares? And guess what? If I'm not doing that and I'm not willing to make those changes, at least be real about it. Yeah. But what's more important to me is, is to do what I'm saying or to live like I'm saying. And I think that's really important for people because we have this social media, uh, you know, filter on our lives now is that whatever I put out there is what people think that I am. And now I've got to change myself to put and to live in a way that, that I'm telling everybody that I am. Yeah, I can only imagine, man, the freedom that you felt when you hit that point. You're like, man, I, 
I'm aware that like, I'm not doing what I'm saying I'm doing. Yeah. You know, that, that took me, it wasn't like a click moment. You know what I'm saying? Like that where I think awareness comes in levels, right? Like, you know, you, you, you get a little bit, then you get a little bit more, then you get a little bit more It kind of grow. It's almost like a skill you develop to, to, mm. because dude, also when you become very aware, you don't want to become so aware that you criticize yourself for yeah. fucking everything and drive right, yourself right. crazy. Yeah. 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 So there's a, there's a, and I've gone that far too. So, and and honestly, that's probably my my biggest weakness is I'm too critical of Mm -hmm. myself. But dude, to your point, the, the, you know, if you want to like right now, authentic is a social media strategy, right? Like people think if they use, if they use the F word or they, uh, you know, who who knows people have all warped perception of what real is, but the truth is until you're authentic with you, you will never be authentic with anybody else. That's right. You know, and that's something that people have a hard time swallowing because dude, you know, telling yourself like, Hey bro, you're, you're, you're 350 pounds. Okay. You talk all this shit to everybody else. Yeah. You're making some money, but you're kind of a piece of shit at home. You know, Uh, that's a hard thing to deal with. And I, I, uh, you know, ever since then, you know, it took me a long time to get to where I am now. I think the last two years I've even taken it further, but, um, you know, uh, you gotta be willing to be real with yourself, man. And being real and being authentic, it starts with calling yourself out on your own shit and holding yourself to your own standard. You know, the standard that we all have in our heart that we know we should be living to, but we're not, you know what I'm saying? And like, dude, I'm not trying to be like, uh, you know, one of these, uh, you know, preachers, so to speak, like we all got, we all like to have fun. We all fuck off and we all, you know, <laughs> cool people. And, and so I don't, I'm not like the guy, like I'm sitting around with my buddies and I'm like, Oh bro, you're drinking that beer, motherfucker. You're, you're like, <laughs> That's not me. like, dude, I, there's yeah. a time and a place, right? Yeah. There's a time to let loose. There's a time to do the work. And, um, you know, but you, you can't really, convince people from what I found, you might trick a few people, but you can't really get that following or get that tribe or that, that community built that we need to build uh, by faking it. It's just not, it's it's impossible. Well, well, one thing to this point, you know, awareness is step one. And that's a very important thing to be aware because that's a hard pill to swallow when, when you, when you, when you're aware and you're honest with yourself, but step two and something you've done an unbelievable job of is you took action on that awareness. You didn't just, you didn't just say, well, I'm a fat piece of shit. Like I'm not any good or anything. You actually kept working yeah. and, and put that thought into action, which some people forget to do. We consume yeah. things, we, we study, we do all this stuff that's comfortable, but the, the most important step is to actually get out there and actually do something about yeah. it. Yeah. So dude, what I did was, so, so I start, this was 2015. This the sick. When I got sick, it was like, I think in May, 2015, um, so then I started like watching my food, right? And then I, I went from 350 to like 330 from like May to, to January, which was, a, you know, was somewhat of an improvement. Um, but on January, the beginning of January that year, dude, I just took a video of, cause I, dude, I felt like, I felt fraudulent. I felt like a liar. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I felt like, you know, and everybody could see I was fat, 
but like I still felt like maybe I was fooling people. <laughs> <laughs> the extra large man. Hey man, these guys think that I'm super ripped, but like I'm fooling them all because when I take my shirt off, I know that I'm not. Yeah, well, you got a girdle on. Don't tell me you're wearing a girdle. Well, bro, no, no, but like it's it sounds weird. Like when you're big like that, you kind of tell yourself these lies. You're like. Yeah, bro, you, you don't look that bad. Or like, you know, you get six or seven beers in you, you go and look in the mirror, you're like, yeah, I'd fucking do me, you know? <laughs> you know? So you start, you start buying into your own lies. So, so what I did was um, I, I decided that I was going to just do a video. And I did this video with my shirt off and I showed everybody. I fucking posted on Facebook and everything. And I said, hey, look, uh, you know, I haven't been living the way that, that I should be living and I'm going to show you guys that I'm going to do it. And you know, th- and I did it for accountability. So like oh, yeah. I posted it up, dude. And, oh. and you know, you know, I, people fucking loved it. Um, and everybody rooted for me, but you know how that is in the beginning, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He ain't yeah i'll give him three weeks yeah. yeah so but but i didn't quit dude and i, I that first year uh and that six in 2016 i lost 110 pounds so i went from 350 all the way down or 330 no i lost i lost 110 pounds in one year from 2015 to 16 where i went from 350 to to uh two 240 yeah. and and um that was like the first step of where I'm at now. So I just put it out there, dude. And I, and, and that was, you know, I like, you know, nobody wants to be embarrassed. Right. right. I didn't want to be that guy. I knew that if I didn't follow through on that, that my company would probably fail because of it. Yeah. That, that was how much pressure I needed to put on myself to get me to do it. I wonder yeah. what your brother and Chris, and Chris was saying, oh, fucker, don't do that. <laughs> shit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what they thought behind the closed doors. I don't know if they thought I would do it or not, but you know, I, I, I knew that it had to be done because yeah. if I didn't, it would screw them. It would screw all of our team. It would mess up everything we got going on. So I, yeah. you know, and, and, and I just do better when I've got that kind of pressure on me. You know, there was another pivotal moment in your story. Um, that you've talked about, it was in a physical altercation that you yeah. had. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that and, and just. Yeah, probably the most impactful thing that ever happened to me, honestly. Um, in 2003, I was walking home from a bar and uh, I, was, I was with one of my friends who, who uh, she lived below me and, you know, she, I, we were, you know, real good friends, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, so. Uh, she was Mexican and she was, she was very, very dark. It was the middle of summer. And uh, this dude drives by and yells out the window, Hey, uh, you know, where'd you get your end girlfriend? You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, that was a problem for me. Um, So we ended up getting into a fight. Uh, He, he stabbed me uh, right here between or uh, let's see backwards, but up here across my jawline. Um, and then right here and then right here went all the way through in my face. And then, in, uh, I got stabbed in the back too. And, um, you know, I had 160 stitches in my face. I got permanent uh, paralysis on this side of my face to this day. Um, for a year, this side of my face was swelled up like a grapefruit. Uh, you know, it really was a really hard time, man. And, um, you know, the last thing I remember after, after that happened, uh, was that lady in the ambulance saying, uh, cause I, we had, I had been drinking all day that during that, when that happened. 
and her saying, I can't stop the bleeding. I don't know what to do. And then, the, and then I woke up in the hospital, but I thought my last couple minutes, my last couple seconds before I fell asleep, I thought for sure I was going to die. Wow. And, uh, I was kind of surprised to wake up and I woke up in the hospital and, uh, the next year was, was mental, mentally the hardest time I've ever been through in my life. Because when you, when you get your, when you get your face fucked with, uh, you know, I was 22 or 23 years old at that time, you know, and that's a big, that's a good time for a man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I was, that was, I was in college. I was around, you know, the females I was, you know, you, you, you know, so yeah. it, it made my, it made my face literally like this big. And um, I remember, you know, and I worked retail, so I'm dealing with customers all day and uh, people would come in and, and, you know, they would do one of two things. They would either look right at my face and go, bro, what the fuck happened to your face? Mm. Or they would just look down and, you know, or they would look away and never make eye contact, you know, kind of like, um, and I did this up until this happened to me. You know, I see somebody with a, with a, a disfigurement or something that's different. And I, I almost like looked away because I didn't want to feel like I was staring and I never felt what that was like on the other end until this happened. And by the way, if you ever see someone in a wheelchair or somebody who's got something going on, dude, say hi to them, you know, treat them like a human because they don't, you don't realize how fucking empty that is until it starts happening. And, and so I went through this very, very, very dark suicidal time in my life where, um, all I really thought about was how, how, not if I was going to kill myself, but how I was going to. And, uh, you know, I drank every day. I, I, I smoked every day. I uh, wasn't training or doing anything that was pos- positive at all. You know, business was bad because that was the, during that time where it was really bad. And uh, I had to go to the grocery store to, uh, to, to restock my, my beer, to be honest. And uh, I went to the store and I'm walking through the aisle and I got my head down and I, I got to the end of the aisle and I, I, because I had my head literally down with a hat on and I got to the end of the aisle and my cart bumped into this other cart and I looked up and it was, it was a person, but I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman because this, this person had had their face completely burned off. Mm. Okay. We're, we're like, they had like just little holes here and it was a woman and she had like a, uh, like a rain hat, like almost like a, you know, like a bucket hat on. Yeah. And uh, I looked at her, like I, I remember I, I looked up and I looked at her and I just kind of looked at her and she goes, dude, what the fuck happened to your face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it was like, dude, it was like, she knew, we both instantly connected. Like, I knew what she had been doing and she knew, it was like an inside joke. Uh, and, uh, dude, like I almost, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because like, I, I probably would have killed myself had that not happened. Mm. And, uh, you know, we had a 15 minute conversation and, and, uh, I'm getting emotional about it. Cause, um, mm. I really think that woman saved my life, you know? And, and, uh, what had happened to her was she had been in a, a small plane crash and her whole family had been killed. And, uh, she had her leg amputated and she had third degree burns over her entire body. And she, we talked and, you know, she told me her story. I told her my story. 
we both kind of like, you know, Hey, hang in there, do, you know, do what we can. And, and it was, it was just cool, man. And like, she wasn't weird and she it was like a normal person, you know, she uh, had humor. We, and I never saw her again, man. And, um, uh, like sometimes, like, honestly, like, I, I, I don't know where everybody's beliefs are, but sometimes I wonder if that was even real or if it was like, so, like an yeah. angel or, or something that was sent to do that. Because when I walked out of that store, bro, <clears throat> I went from being so depressed and so self pity and to be lack of a better words, a total fucking pussy to letting it go. And, uh, from that point on, I looked at, I looked at what happened to me and I tried to find the good in it. And I did find something really good about it. Um, what I found was, is that people started remembering me better. So, when Chris and I would go to these trade shows, you know, and we were and before this had happened, it was like, Hey, you know, those guys that own supplement superstore and everybody's like, no, what, what's that? And, and now it was, Hey, you know, those guys with supplement superstore and, and, and people would be like, no, we don't know. No, you know, Andy, the dude with the face and mm. the dude with the scars on his face. And, uh, and people, like, Oh yeah, yeah. I know those guys. And so dude, what I started to do was focus on the good that it was bringing me. And so I started to leverage that. And when I started to leverage that and look at it as a positive instead of a negative, you know, now like, dude, one of my best friends is president of uh, the facial reconstructive surgery of the whole country. I could go get this shit fixed right now today. There's no fucking way I would ever fix it. No way. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's become one of the, you know, and it's become a trademark, like, you know, with the show and with the brand, the personal brand and the speaking you know, if I went and got it fixed, it would kind of fuck that all up, you know? So yeah. it ended up being one of the most, one of the biggest blessings that I've ever had. And dude, I was days, maybe weeks away from just fucking checking out because of it, you know what I'm saying? And, and so what that taught me was how important perspective is and that, you know, no matter how bad things are, or how, how, you know, first of all, somebody else has it worse. Yeah. And second of all, there's good in it too, you know, and we just have to find out what those things are. And, and, and dude, that, that one conversation guys, I, I, it was the most important thing that ever happened to me, you know? Yeah, man. But, that's, and there's something to be said and, you know, you weren't going there looking to be vulnerable. You weren't going there to, you know, to ask someone for help or anything, but man, it's, it's, it's really important, especially if you're going through some sort of mental illness, depression, something where it's, it, it, what it does is it, it puts you in a place where you feel like you're the only person that feels this way or is going through this man. And, and it, there's, there's something to be said about talking to somebody about it because yeah. chances are you're not the only one out there. You're not the only yeah. one that had a, a traumatic facial injury. I mean, you know, someone you run into at the grocery store lost their family has yeah. their entire body. Yeah. Burned. yeah. I mean, yeah. But if you don't put yourself out there to have those conversations, because you may not run into somebody at the grocery store, you right, may right. keep yourself in your house and yeah. pull yourself away from everybody. Really important yeah. to make sure that, hey, look, connect with someone. Just recognize, yeah. find someone to talk to about it because chances are you're not the only one going through that. No, dude. And, and that's, a, that's a beautiful thing about social media now too, right? Mm -hmm. Like remember back then, this is 2003. We didn't really have it. So yeah. it was, I got, I got, you know, blessed or lucky or whatever you want to say to have that happen to me. I mean, I, I, dude, I thought about this so many, I mean, I've probably spent weeks of my life thinking about this, like literal weeks. If you add up all the hours, probably weeks of my life trying to analyze what the chances are 
of me at that time with those feelings running into that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's, dude, that can't be an accident. It just can't be. Yeah. And what I love about the story and why I love podcasts so much, because people look at your life now on social media and they think, man, must be nice. Look what yeah. all he's got. Look at that big house. Look at those nice cars. Yeah. If they don't know that story, they just think it was just handed to you. They, that's what I love about these, yeah. these, these podcasts and, and what you're doing. I appreciate it's because, it. Yeah. It's because that, that's the, that's the important thing. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't just happen overnight and that's no. your biggest message. Yeah. You were an overnight success after 20 years, yeah. right? <laughs> it, it doesn't happen overnight. And so that's no. why I love what well, dude, even for athletes, like I tell people this about athletes too, you know, you don't, most guys in the NFL or the MLB or, 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 or golfers or basketball or anything, dude, people don't realize that aren't athletes, dude, you've given up your whole childhood to be that. Yeah. You, you, you spent all of your childhood, you know, playing that sport dude, And they say, Oh, well, it's a game. It is, but you don't do anything else. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you know, pe- people dog athletes and they're like, like Mahomes with this contract, you know, which I think is fucking amazing. I'm super happy for the dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, people are like, you know, that's crazy. 23, no 23 year old. I'm like, dude, that dude has been working for 20 fucking years. You guys just haven't seen it. That's you right. Know? That's and, exactly right. Yeah. Man. And, and that's it. I mean, you think about it, right? When was the first time you got to celebrate Thanksgiving or Christmas? Fuck, I never. We played on Thursday. Every yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. For years. I mean, I mean, just yeah. time with your family. I mean, in, on college campus, like you're on your way to practice. Like, man, I wonder what it would be like to like be done at one o'clock. Right. Yeah. I wonder what it, wonder what normal life would be like. So, I mean, I, I, I totally, uh, yeah. I totally appreciate that sentiment, but oh, yeah. I want to, I want to go back. Okay. So you're, you're nine years into your supplement store. And you're like, okay, now let's, let's add to this. Let's, let's create first form. What was the thought process behind that? Is it because, because again, you know, this is the, the supplement craze, right? Has really picked up and changed over the last 10 years for sure. Um, and when you started the store and that was kind of one of my questions is like, I mean, I don't know, was it like mag 10 and you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, you had a supplement. Bro. He must be older than you look. Oh, wait. <laughs> He's an old, old soul. That's what he He's is. He's 63. <laughs> man, that was a hey, that mag- uh, biotech shit from Colorado. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. When was Mag 10? I think I don't know. Mag 10, early 2000s, man. Early 2000s, bro. That was wow. a yeah. they, they, took, they took that shit off the market real quick. Yeah. <laughs> bro, you, you, you put on 10 pounds a fucking week on that shit. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no joke. 100 pounds on your squat, like that. Like, yeah. are you sure it's not steroids? <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't think it is. <laughs> but, okay, so what was the thought process behind, okay, now let's start manufacturing. Like, you know, we, we know the industry. We know maybe where there's a gap. We're going to fill that gap. Well, you know, with, with the time that we spent in retail that first, uh, you know, nine years, we had so many hours to dissect what everybody else was doing, right? We would say, oh, these guys are doing it right. These guys are doing it wrong. These guys are kind of doing it right. But if they did it like this, it would be much better. And we always had time to talk about that. So, you know, it was kind of like became assumed that when we got the money, we were going to try to make a push to do our own thing. And so uh, by 2008, we we were bringing in enough sales that we could reinvest into creating that. And that's what we did. And uh, we, we came out with, a, with uh, our first product. It wasn't very good. Uh, 
but the, the mm. idea behind the product was what was important and what still stands today, which was, you know, at that time and still today, the supplement industry is very strange because a lot of people complete, compete in a race to the bottom. They want to make the cheapest product and they want to sell it for the most money. And that we, we basically want to do the opposite. We want to make the best product and we want to sell it for a fair price. And so that takes our, you know, these guys are trying to get huge margins. We're not trying to get huge margins. We're trying to get results because if we know that if we provide the quality product and people get results, they continue to buy and they'll spread the word. So that was the basis behind First Form from the beginning. And it's still one of our main values that we strive for today. Um, but basically, man, the, 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 the truth is, is we just had a long time to think about it. And, and when we finally had the opportunity, it actually fell in our lap a little bit by accident. Um, I got asked by another company to consult on a project uh, for Target. And uh, I went in and, and did, the, did what they asked. And then Target ended up not doing the deal with these, with these guys who were manufacturing. And uh, so this was their first uh, stab at supplement manufacturing. And basically I, I sold in their big company and I sold them. I said, Hey, uh, well, fuck target. Let me do it. I'll do it. And mm. so the deal was they had to invest a couple hundred thousand dollars into the equipment to process the product in a, they were a food company. And so what our arrangement became was we, we bought all the equipment uh, we, we, we use their labor and their certifications and their processes to, to produce the product. And we created our, our own manufacturing facility off of that deal. And um, still to this day, uh, that's our only other partner in business is the guy who owned that company that we work with now, uh, except now we're building a brand new 270,000 square foot manufacturing facility just for first form. So mm. um, it turned out pretty good, you know, a little bit better than what Target would have done with them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we're, we're all huge fans of, of First Form and the products are, are amazing. But one thing that you guys do that I think is so, so amazing and so awesome is, and it's very, it's very simple, a handwritten note that you guys include. Because that, that's one thing, if it's your first order, I get it. You know, you get a handwritten note with your first order, but it's third, fourth, fifth, every single order, get the handwritten note. So the customer service is second to none. Is that... Is that something you just learn along the way? Is that kind of, you, you talked about? Remember when you at, remember when you guys asked what we learned from the beginning? Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 that was one of the things that we learned. We learned that every customer is so vitally important to our company, and we've just worked really, really hard to ingrain that into our culture. To where hope my hope is that these guys will actually treat, even though we do you know thousands and thousands and thousands of orders every day will actually treat every single customer as if they're our only customer. Like a lot of companies say that shit, right? Yeah. Well, treat them like they're your only customer. We're, we actually try to execute on that the best as possible. And um, I got to give credit to our team, man. They're great. They're, they're great learners. They're hungry. They want to win and they care about people. Mm. And uh, you know, I, it makes me really good to hear that because you know, these guys, um, these guys care. So I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm glad yeah. keep it yeah, it's, it's literally a handwritten note, by the yeah, way, if you're listening awesome. to this, it's not, it's not some typed out message. Somebody signs, it's a handwritten note by by one of your, you know, warehouse associates. I love that. I love yeah. that. Let me ask you this. And this will be, and I know Darren, you want to ask something, yeah. but 
you created, you know, not only the supplement superstore, but you know, first from the beginning, but now you've got this team. How hard was that for you to hand over the reins for some of these roles? Obviously to scale, you have to bring people in, but I mean, I know if you're, you've invested 20 plus years into this. Yeah. I mean, and now you've got all these people handling customers. I mean, how was that trust, you know, how was that built or how was that transition from, okay, now look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be big picture. I'm going to be strategy. I'm going to talk about that and make sure my people are good. But like you had to hand over a lot of trust to a lot of your team. How, how, how did you handle that process? You know, uh, I just, I just realized like, Hey, we can only get so big if it's only like me and a couple other key people doing the, doing that work. So, um, you know, we would never be able to do, what we're doing without that. So it became, it was really almost a necessity thing. And that's a really good question because I feel like most entrepreneurs, that's the hardest part for their business. So, so my hardest time in business, just to go along with that question was the time when we went from our first to our second store. Okay. And a lot of people struggle with that because of what you just said. They think that, that employees are going to steal, that employees are going to fuck with customers that employees are going to, you know, do things that you don't want them to do. Guess what? That's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. Right. So what are you going to do to make it not that way? So, you know, you've just got to do the best that you can and you address instead of like shutting down the whole operation because you're afraid somebody might screw up again, it's a perspective switch. And so how I see it now and how I, how I started to see it back then was, okay, I'm going to let Joe do this, right? Now, I know Joe's going to fuck this up. Now, no matter how good I tell Joe, yeah, like I know Joe is going to fuck this up. I know ahead of time. And and, and instead of seeing it like, hey, you know, uh, I can't let him do that because I know he's going to screw it up. Instead, I got to see it like, all right, I'm just waiting for him to screw up and then we're going to talk about it so that he doesn't do it again. Because, dude, no matter how much you coach someone, you know, don't touch that stove. Don't touch that stove. Don't touch that. They're fucking touching the stove. Yeah. 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 And don't get offended when they touch the stove. Yeah. So so I used to be like the guy. It's like, don't touch that stove. Don't touch that stove. Now I'm like, probably a good idea not touch that stove, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah. And and then when they touch it, I'm like, how'd that feel? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's just a different perspective. And I look at it as an investment. Yeah. Um, in their education here. So like, if, let's say, so one time I had a girl, um, she's not with us anymore. She went and started her own company and she's, we work with her now, uh, but she really helped create First Form from the ground up. One time she ordered a run of t-shirts and it was a $6,000 run. And dude, it, like at this time, $6,000 was like mm. $600,000. Yeah. And bro, the logos, on, you remember this, don't you? Yeah, the logos on the shirt were like, they're supposed to be like this big. And instead they were like this big. <laughs> like dude, we couldn't even get them out. We couldn't even give them away. And uh, I lost my fucking shit. And, and that was where I started. But guess what? She never did it again. Yeah. Mm. Every other run yeah. after that was perfect. And, yeah. and dude, the way I look at it, the way I choose to look at it now is like, that $6,000 that cost us then would have been 600 now. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's, 
you just have to look at it with the long with the long lenses on. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, because we get so caught up in as business owners, you get caught up in the the day to day and that yeah. you can't fuck up. Do not fuck up. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then you have to get at some point. You know, yeah. if you want to grow and scale, you're yeah. gonna have to try to recreate yourself or put people in position yeah. to move forward. I, the, the question I had was, you know, First Form has had its success, but what was the reasoning for MFCEO? What was the reasoning behind the fact that you wanted to spread this message? Question. Because there's so many people, young people, older people, including myself, that are looking really for old people like yourself. <laughs> looking for even at my age, at 50 years, 51 years old, man, you're looking for guidance yeah. because you know you can't do it on your own. So sometimes, you know, just to hear the stories, what made you think, okay, I need to get my message out to the world? Um, it, it started again. It, it kind of just grew from this one thing into these other things. So I, I, I did a magazine article for this local magazine here uh, on entrepreneurship and. The guy who wrote it, uh, Vaughn, uh, you guys all know Vaughn for this is a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we hit it off right away, man. Like we connected right away. We're completely different kinds of dudes. But like Vaughn is probably one of my favorite humans. He is one of my favorite humans in the world. And the guy's pure hearted. He's a great guy. Um, and, and he wrote this article and, and we stayed in touch. And so he came to me and he's like, hey, dude, I want to write a book. And he's, he was a writer and he's like, I want to write a book for you. He's like, we're going to write a book about, about how to create uh, customer loyalty. And I'm like, okay, that's something I know. But we started talking about dogs and then we started talking about life. And then we started talking about all, like we ended up talking for like four hours and we were, we had the microphone out so that he could, uh, so that he could uh, take the notes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I took the, I took a 15 second clip of, of the interview, which back then Instagram only had 15 second videos oh, oh. And, and I posted it and dude, it went fucking crazy. People were like, what the fuck is this? Is this a podcast? And I'm like, no man. And back then, like I thought, cause podcasting, you know, back in the early two thousands was cool. Then it got real bad. Yeah. Yeah. Then it got cool again. And I'm like, nah, I say no fucking podcast. That's for losers. I'm writing a book. <laughs> and, uh, I'm writing a book. Bunch of nerds. That's how fucking stupid I am. So for like a year, bro, I'm posting these 15 second clips. And every time I'm like, ah, and everybody fucking is like, holy shit, dude, where can I download this podcast? And every time I'm getting mad, I'm like, it's not a fucking podcast. <laughs> you know? It's a book. So, so finally, after a year of doing this, bro, this is, this is, this is proof. I am not smart, dude. I learned, I just, I just show up. And so finally, after a year, you know, I, I walk in, I'm Vaughn, I'm like, Hey Vaughn, maybe we should start a podcast. <laughs> hey, I heard this crazy idea. It came to me like, <laughs> these people, I was, I was so mad. I'm like, these motherfuckers, they don't get it. Like we're writing a book. We should just do a fucking podcast. So they get it. And that's where it came from, dude. Uh-oh. And uh, the MFCEO name was, was is funny story too because uh, if you go on if you go on YouTube and you type in uh, Kenny Powers K Swiss, yeah, okay, oh yeah, <laughs> there's this commercial that uh, Kenny Powers, the dude that plays Kenny Powers, oh, did the tubes. For it was the tubes. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, Matt <laughs> Castle and Matt Castle and the tubes. So. Uh. 
<laughs> bro, I killed oh, you, bitch. Castle, man. Yeah, if I played with Castle, he is, man. He is one of a kind. <laughs> so, dude, so, uh, so this commercial, like, I, we had this – at that time, uh, we had this – we had a 60,000-square-foot warehouse that had this shitty, uh, tiny little office, and there was only four of us in there. And every morning I'd be in there and I'd play that fucking video real loud, like so everybody could hear it. And I'd be like reciting the lines, just you know, just fucking off. And uh, and uh, Terry, uh, the the woman I mentioned before, who's amazing, she she got me a little shirt that said MF CEO on it, like for for Christmas or something. And I fucking wore that motherfucker like every day, dude, because I love. Dude, if you haven't watched that commercial, you will laugh your ass off. It is oh, good. yeah. Man, I, I swear, the first season of Eastbound and Down, like, oh, I'm not gosh. kidding you, there's probably more quotes in that one season yes. than the first season of any <laughs> yeah, show yeah. ever made. I mean, that's yeah, dude, that Dude, so so we were thinking of, like, what what's a good name for the show? And I'm like, we're calling it the MFCEO Project. Yeah. And, like, it was just that. And, and dude, it and that was it. Well, what's funny about that, if you've never, if you didn't listen to the, to the podcast is Vaughn is a pastor or was yeah. a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah. got this podcast called MFCEO. Yeah. So dude, so Vaughn's a pastor. So that was the whole thing. So the whole dynamic in the show, well, and, and, and we may bring it back eventually. I'm not sure. Oh, please uh, do. Yeah. So we, we had a. Vaughn, who was a pastor, and then we had me, who was a CEO, and I, I curse. Vaughn doesn't curse. You know, he's very, very religious and, and a practicing Catholic. I don't go to church, but I believe in God and I pray. So we, we, it was cool. We had all these commonalities, and what I think it really showed people was, you know, it's it, there's there's synergies there, right? There's synergies yeah. between being a good human and being successful. And that's what Vaughn was so good at tying together. Um, and he's still one of my best friends. I mean, he's still on the real AF by once a month. Yeah. 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 And he'll come in town, right? Because he moved back home. Yeah, he right? moved, uh, he's, he's over in, in, Can- in Manhattan, in Kansas. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, let, let's right. talk about that a little bit more and apply it to what's going on today. Because you two had differences of opinions, I'm sure. Yeah. Different strategies, different styles. For sure. Instead of being so polarized and, and <laughs> oh, I hate him because he has a different opinion than me, you guys work together and yeah. listen to each other. Mm-hmm. That seems like it's missing now. It totally is, bro. I mean, you know, it doesn't take a, a, a rocket scientist to see that we're being intentionally divided um, yeah. Yeah. in many different ways, really in every fucking way that we can be divided. And I, I, I'm happy because I feel like most America is getting getting um, really tired of it, yep. and and the re- and the snapback of this rubber band is going to be tremendous unity. And I'm waiting for that to happen. I think that's going to happen soon. But uh, but yeah, bro, we we've lost the ability to communicate. We've lost the ability to have reasonable conversation. We've lost the ability to understand that that person has a different perspective because. They grew up at a different time, at a different place, under different circumstances than I did. And we've lost the ability to listen. And it's really, it's really frustrating for me because I think everybody kind of feels that, you know, like, like you go out in the real world, dude, you don't know, I don't see anybody hating each other. I see people getting along being cool and, yeah, and doing what they do. And, you know, you turn on the TV and it's like, hey, 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 hey. Bad, bad, bad. And like, it's just, it's mental fucking torture, dude. And, uh, 
you know, I, I, I don't know that the problem is actually with us. I think the problem is with the message that we're being fed. Yeah. Um, because dude, anywhere I go, you know, and I have, you know, I have, I have more conservative views currently. Um, but I would consider myself traditionally very moderate. Uh, and my, I have friends that are Democrats. I have friends that are all different races and fuck, we don't have problems. We fucking exactly. You know, and that's the thing, like, you know, grow, being in a, growing up in a locker room and like you've, and you've been there, you grew yeah. up in a locker room and we have so many different backgrounds, so many different points of views, and we motherfuck each other in the locker room yeah. like none other, right? Y'all yeah. care what your political stance is or what your yeah. religious stance is. We go in and out, going in and out of each other. And the next day, in the next minute, mm-hmm. you're best boys. You know, you yeah. have a little spat and you move on. And yeah. that's, what, that's what we're missing in this, in, this, yeah. in, in this country. This is the most beautiful country in the world. I don't give a damn what anybody says, right? But what's made us special is to have a voice. Mm-hmm. You should have a voice. And you yeah. should be able to listen. Just listen to what other people may be saying. Now, yeah. you don't have to follow us. It doesn't have to be your stance. You can move on and do what the fuck you want right. to do. That's but right. this, this the time to listen, man, is, is what this country needs to get back to. You're right. Yeah, and, and guys, I, you know, but, but how do we do that, right? Like, how do we do that? We do that in real world. Like, yeah. us individuals, us four guys, you guys all listening, everybody listening to this right now. How do we create this in society? Well, we create it by practicing it. And, you know, the next time someone says something that you may not agree with politically or socially or economically or whatever in any way, it's not, hey, fuck you, you're a piece of shit. And, you know, that's what we – and I I think I figured out where this comes from, Um, you know, how we've been groomed to to, to think this way. And I I actually think this comes from – the way Facebook has created the scenario where we can like other people's comments. So, you know, back in the day, 150 years ago, the only way we could really communicate was to see or, or send a letter. Yeah. Right. Then the telephone came along that made it a little easier. Then uh, we went a long time and then we had the fax machine. All right. That made it a little easier. We could send a letter today. Uh, then we had email. Right then, we had cell phone, and we're consistently getting closer and closer and closer and closer together. Then we create Facebook, where we have, you know, we could say our opinion or how, you know, I forget what it says. How do you feel or how are you feeling? We say that, and then you know, people say things back, and we have conversations. But then Facebook made it so you could like people's comments, and so when that started happening, people started saying shit just to get the reaction. And so we have this scenario now where instead of having a conversation and saying, Hey, I, I, you know, I disagree with that, or, or I, I agree with part of that, or, you know, this is how I see it. Now it's like, Hey, fuck you dumb fuck. And you know, <laughs> to get, to get the, all the likes on the comment. Right. right. And so it's diluted our ability to have actual conversations in the real world. Yeah. So if we want to get back to that, you know, it, it's as simple as the next time you hear someone say something, that maybe isn't what you you are aligned with or what you agree. Maybe just ask them. Say, well, well, you know, I'm not trying to be divisive or or, or disagree. I just, you know, where do you come from with that? What's yeah. and maybe just try to learn a little bit. And you know, maybe you walk away. And when I've done that, what I usually do, uh, like, because I have people, you know, that'll come at me online uh, because I'm very opinionated. 
And they'll come at me and they'll say, well, dude, you're fucking, all you are is just this Trump nutsucker, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'll send them a voice message back and I'll say, hey, bro. Uh, <laughs> but, but here, and I'll say, I'll say, hey, dude, like, you know, that's, that's actually not true. You know, this is how I see it. This is why I see it. And I'll take the time to send them a little voice note huh. where they can hear the inflection in my tone and act. And dude, every fucking time. They'll write back and they'll say, dude, I'm sorry for coming at you that way. Yeah. These keyboard warriors over on yeah. the other side of it. Right. But, yeah, but, but do people feel they got to do that to get the attention, you know? Yeah. And, and, and to your point, exactly. That's, that's what media feeds us. Right. In, right. in the day news, whether it's newspaper or, you know, news on the TV, right. Their job was to inform of current news events, right? They had to be accurate. And if they weren't accurate, they had to apologize for not being accurate. They had to double check to make sure the information was correct before they could actually put it out. Now, what does news do? All of the, they don't care about the news. It's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. all, but all it is is to get the reaction. Yeah. And I think of one example, like perfect example. And, and this is, this is Darren's best friend. So I gotta be really careful about how I say this. <laughs> But say it. But undisputed with Skip and um, Shannon, Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp, right? So Dak Prescott, you know, lost his lost his brother this year uh, to yeah. suicide, and he and he talked about the mental illness aspect, and and he came out, man, and I th I, I was super proud of him, man, and I was really proud of how he handled it, and said, look, I went through it this year too, right? It was real. And for the first time in my life, I had anxiety. I, I dealt with depression and these are things. And, and I want to be able to go out and talk to people. And I also want people to know that I'm dealing with it too. Like we talked about a little bit earlier right. and he went out and publicly said that. Right. And then skip who, which is, which is absolute bullshit in my opinion is he comes out and before he even says what he's going to say, he's like, well, people may not agree with me. Yeah. And you know, I know that I'm going to get some flack. Okay. Dude, you know that what you're saying is not true, but you're about to say something to get clicks, yeah. to get likes, to yeah. get the attention, to get it. It doesn't matter about what what yeah. we're what we're saying anymore. It's all about how fast can we get it out there, how loud can we get it out there, and how much can we make people react, good or bad. It doesn't yeah. matter. How can we twist it to benefit us? That's right. right. Dude, and it's sick. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, I you know. We've never talked before, so so like you know. But I, I'll be real, man. Like I'm 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 hurting for America right now. You know what I'm saying? Uh -oh. um, it's very hard for me to watch. Uh, it's very hard for me because we all are old enough to remember the media like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about these kids that are 20 that are just now starting to pay attention to the media and and the news? And they're like, "This is the fucking news." Yeah. Right. And we're like, guys. That ain't the news. Yeah, that's not the news. Right. You know. Yeah, it's just it, it's hard, man. I'm. Yeah, and I want to. I think this kind of ties into to the transition, and I want to talk about your decision to make the transition from MF CEO to Real AF, mm -hmm. and and your why that you said, okay, look, I think it's really important, and you started at the beginning of this year, and why you made the transition in the podcast, and you built up this really really successful podcast, and then you kind of transitioned on what you were doing. Talk through that decision and why you did that. Well, I, I, I felt like, I feel like the MF CEO project, you know, it is a project, you know, the project, the point of the project was to share the things that I had learned or, or the perspective that I had on what I learned to become, you know, successful in business and life. And I felt like we got to a point where, I had really said everything and we started to, we started to talk about, 
rehashing different lessons and and like I was like dude look I've already done that this is this is not it's not exciting to talk about that we already talked about it once and the other thing was um so I so so I felt like it was complete like I felt like okay this is a good representation of what I my knowledge base is what my beliefs are and how to use them in business for anybody so I the first thing was I felt it was complete I felt if we drug it on any longer, it would just be for selfish reasons. Yeah. Um, the second reason was that I was starting to be held to an unrealistic standard by people. So the podcast got really big. Uh, we were number one on all of iTunes oh. for a long time up yeah. there with Rogan. And we were number one in business category for 14 months, which is no one's ever done before. Yeah. So we started to get millions and millions of people listening and I started to get held to this weird standard by people like, uh, like, like, you know how, like Charles Barkley said, I'm not a role model, right. you know, remember that? Yep, yeah. And, and uh, like people, like parents started like, I don't know, man, like, like I'm not a fucking role model. Like I have my demons, you know, I curse a lot. I smoke fucking weed. I like to drink. I, I have a good time. I fucking, I'm, I'm pretty wild animal when you let me loose, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, and so that bothered me. And I felt like I was starting to play this role for, for mm. other people's kids. Yeah. And, and dude, it just wasn't, it's not me. And so uh, when I changed it, I wanted to change it and, and, and be authentic and be real. And, and also uh, because of the context of that show being business, anytime I brought any other opinions into the show, people would fucking con- Stick to business. That's what you do. Uh, and I'm like, well, fuck you guys. Then I'll change yeah. the show. You yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, and that's what it came down to. So uh, I do miss doing that show uh, a lot. Um, but I do feel more free now. I feel like I'm more authentic. I feel like people know who I am better, and I feel like I have less to hide. Yeah. You know, like that feeling of like, you know, you guys know that imposter syndrome that mm-hmm. kind of creeps in. Yep. Uh, Darren, you were talking about it, you know, like when you were winning and you're like, dude, I'm just a regular dude. Right. Like I started to feel like people not seeing me as a regular dude. And I didn't like that, man. Like, cause right. I am just a regular dude guys. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yep. Uh, so that was really the thing. And I knew we had an election coming up and I knew there was going to be some big things going on that I wouldn't have been able to not talk about. Um, and, and so you know, that was kind of it. And it's do it's, it's cool. I like it. Um, for people that don't know and have never listened to me, I would describe the MFCEO project as more of a lesson slash lecture on how to win. Uh, and I would describe the real AF as more conversational about things going on and also uh, how to win, but in a, in a little bit different way. I think yeah. both shows have value, but they're different, you know? Yeah. And I, and I would agree. And I think you summed that, I mean, obviously you did, but that's, that's exactly right. And I, I love it. Cause you can listen to MFC. Well, no, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys think too. Cause you listen to the show from the outside, you know, I'm yeah. just, I'm kind of guessing like, that's what I think. You know? Yeah, no, I'll speak to that. Yeah, it's cool. Cause I got a bunch of notes prepared that I want to show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ready for you. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I mean, obviously I, I love both and they're so different. What I loved about MFCEO is, is that was a younger time and I'm still young in business, but that was a perfect time in my life to be hearing something like that. Yeah. And so what the lessons that you guys taught were stuff that I loved hearing every single day. Mm-hmm. I'm a podcast junkie. I love podcasts. 
Yeah. Uh, I get obsessed a little too much, probably. He was probably one of those guys that was commenting on your Instagram. Yeah. Like, Dude, what are you dropping the podcast? Take your shirt off again. <laughs> want to wear my skin suit. <laughs> Put the lotion yeah. on my skin. But, but then there's also something to the conversational aspect of real AF and just, yeah. and just feeling like the biggest compliment we've ever gotten on this show that we're doing is somebody said, it feels like we're sitting around a campfire and I'm just one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. what, that's what really F feels. It feels like we're in the conversation with you. Yeah. We can't say anything, yeah. but we're right there with you guys as you guys are talking a lot. That's, that's, cool. that's great to hear. And dude, that's what this show feels like to me, dude. I feel like we're just a bunch of dudes hanging out, talking shit. Yeah. That's right. Missing yep. the beers. That's all we missing, yeah. man. We yeah. got to do that one time. I yeah. was going to say, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> coming, coming up to you. We'll yeah, have, we're so coming we'll up for, sure. for sure. Yeah. You got, dude, I definitely want you guys to come up. Uh, and and I'm gonna come visit down there one time too. So we'll we'll definitely, yes. we'll definitely yeah. anytime, man. You know what? I, I'll say this, man, about real uh, real AF, man. I, I think one thing I love about people in whether whatever stance they may have is passion. Mm-hmm. Like when you're passionate about something, I hate when people try to knock you off your fucking horse for yeah. you know saying what you feel. Yeah. And I respect anyone. Who fit, whatever it is that they, however they align, if they go all the way in mm-hmm. and take a stance, and I think that's one of the things that I, you know, you know, fear is it, it will paralyze you, and, and, yes. and a lot of people, Andy, you probably know this, you probably have seen a lot of, a lot of people will not take the chance to just take a stance because mm-hmm. they're afraid of what's coming, all the darts that are going to come back. And that's why I'm saying, that's why I love what you're doing now, man, is that you don't have the fucking fear. You've eliminated that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that goes a long way, man, because I, I, I'm going through a process where I have four kids. And the one thing I always know about my kids is when I watch them, you know, basically stop in their tracks based on the fact that they're afraid to do something. That is that's not good, man. I got to walk mm-hmm. them through that process. And, it, it, and even myself. So I'm always yeah. looking for people that are taking that stance that, that can help me gain the confidence as well, man. So I appreciate what you do, bro. Yeah, no, and thank you for saying that. You know, I, I, think, I think that's a very important point. And, and you know, there, there's a tremendous burden to carry when you're not being authentic. You know, yeah. uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. You know, I, I just always felt, I feel, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe, I just didn't learn manners growing up or something. I don't know. But like, I always feel like if I don't, if I'm not honest about how I feel that I'm being a fraud and I, I don't dude, I, I love me or hate me or whatever. I, I get it. Like, dude, I'm not for everybody. I'm okay with that. Right. Um, but one thing I can't be okay with is, is, is feeling like a fraud myself. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And, uh, and I try to respect everybody's opinions. And I try, you know, I feel like I want the good for the, the greater good. Um, and I'm constantly checking myself, you know, um, self, self-assessing, self-coaching. Um, but yeah, it's hard, dude, because right now, it's, it, you know, everybody's pandering. Everybody's riding the fence about fucking everything. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. dude, we have, we need some leaders, man. We need, oh. even, even if, even if you're leading this way and I'm leading that way, we need some motherfucking leaders. Yeah. 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 Couldn't agree more. That's right. And and as we wind this down, that something we were talking about earlier, uh, the awareness and then taking action. That's, I I think to what you were saying earlier, how do we fix this thing? Being aware of it and then people taking action. And that's why your voice is so important because you're taking action. Hopefully that's what our show is doing. We're taking action. We're leading hopefully in the right direction. Yeah. Man, we could, 
you know, we should do this. We got to do this again. This is yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. so, say there's one thing about Real AF that like for me, as I listened to it, and you mentioned it earlier, you said, you know, I think a majority of the country, right, is, is kind of in that moderate, that moderate feel. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm, I believe this, but I also believe that, but I believe this. Yeah, when yeah. I listen to your show, what it, when I watch the news, right, like literally what you say on the show is what's going on in my head. Right. And I'm and I'm not I'm not a big cusser by any means, yeah. but when I'm thinking about this stuff, I cuss a ton <laughs> in my head, right? These yeah. motherfuckers. Are you serious? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, and that's what it is. And when I listen to your show, it's like, dude, this dude is in my head when I'm watching all this BS on TV. And like he's saying exactly how I feel. Because again, like, yes, like you have conservative approaches and like Look, dude, there's there's a ton of validity to that. But then you also have like, okay, look, dude, I'm also accepting and I'm also yeah. worse. And I dude, our job and my biggest thing, look, look, I, I'm a believer and look, all all I know, my only job, I'm not here to save the world, but what I am here to do is I'm just here to love people, right? Love yeah. how I'm loved, you know, by the Almighty, right? Like that's it. That's my job. And yeah. and if I can't do that, then I'm selfish and I'm just taking all his love myself, yeah. right? Yeah. But for you, man, and your stance. And, and, and what you say and how you say it, it's like exactly in my head. And, and so I appreciate the it message really, you're doing. It and really means a lot to hear that from you guys because, you know, I, I like what I said earlier, like, dude, just trust me, that means a lot. Because what I said earlier, you know, about, about critiquing myself, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I struggle with saying what I think and then wondering, well, am I saying the right thing? Because I do feel an obligation to be – you know, a positive influence for what, you know, like not, not a role model, but at least in a positive direction. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, and not being decisive, right? Like we, yeah. like you right. said, bring people together. Like that's, that's the goal. And I'll say this, man, and, and to encourage you more about like it, it, you talked about, Hey, if I'm, if I'm not being authentic and I'm not telling people how I feel, you're also setting them up for failure too. One thing I learned from my wife who has zero filter, zero, like really? at all, zero yeah. filter, yeah. right. <laughs> is I always know where I stand with my yeah. wife and she's yeah. always set me up for success because she tells me how she feels. Yeah. And I was not raised that way. I was raised in a way like, no, no, keep it yourself, man. If you got yeah. an issue, just keep it yourself and deal with it. Yeah. And so I appreciate you, man. Just to encourage you to keep, Keep doing yeah, it, man. Keep doing, keep doing it, it because obviously you're impacting a ton of people. Yeah, you guys too. This is a great show. This is this is my favorite interview I've ever done for real. So. Oh, man, I appreciate you. That that I'm made really, really, more than you. Yeah, know. seriously. <laughs> no, I'm I'm honored to, to have been uh, asked to be on the show. So thank yeah. you guys for having me. We, we got to let you get back to it because you do have a real job. You're not yeah. just a, you're not an internet you know guru. You you actually have a real company that you run. So last question before we wrap up here. Uh, this is what we ask every guest, and I'm so excited to hear what you're going to say. If you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, doesn't mean you necessarily change anything, but if you could just tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself? You know, I, I, would, I, I really don't know that I would, to be honest, because my natural answer to that would be to go back and tell myself when I was going through that really, really bad time of, uh, you know, after I got stabbed and, and all that, uh, I, I would go tell myself that it would be okay. But I think I needed to go through that not knowing if it's going to be okay and then realizing on my own to really understand the perspective change that I needed. So I don't think I would mess with that. Um, you know, I, I, 
I don't know that I would do that. Mm. I think I would keep it the way it is. Bro. Yeah, you know? fair enough. Yeah, yeah fair Ben, enough. that was a stupid question. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll never talk to you no, again. I think that's honestly, that's as honest of an answer yeah, though, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that we've gotten. Everyone has, you know, and, and people always think about it and like, oh, you know, that, I wish I would have told myself this, but like, that's as honest of an answer yeah. as I think we've got. I thought, I think, you know what? You know, I think if I could really like, you know, I love sports and I love athletics and I really love football and baseball. And, and, and like, this is, this isn't like the answer you guys were looking for. But if I if I'm being honest, like if I really would go back and, and want to change my life a little bit differently, I would have been more mentally tough when I was actually still playing sports. Yeah. And I would have I would have gone all in and I would have said, hey, dude, if you would actually go all in and work and do this and this and this, this could be different. But then again, like if that had even been the case, I'd already be done. I wouldn't be doing yeah. what I'm doing now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Who, knows, who knows the first form would have ever started. Yeah, that's yeah right. And I, I thought would've... you were going to go back to that Sears carpet cleaning deal where you hurt your back. Yeah, hey, man, you stop being a pussy. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, go go yeah. all in on the carpet cleaning. All in on, all in on the carpet cleaning. <laughs> or, or or something we didn't even talk about. I don't know how we skipped over this. Tell yourself to get a new damn mattress instead of sleeping yeah. on that yeah. piss stained mattress yeah. in the back of your store. That, that actually would have been worth my time. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, we so much appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, if you're listening you. to this, Andy Frisella, go find him on Instagram. Uh, yep. First Form, unbelievable products. Oh, they yes. got everything you ever want. Thank you. Uh, first Form, Andy Frisella. Man, we so much appreciate your time. Yeah, Thank you so thanks, much. Andy. Thanks, Thank Rob. you, guys. I really, really enjoyed being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks, yeah, let us know when you're in Dallas, man. We're looking forward to hosting you. All right. Thank you. Right, Take care, brother. Thanks, man. See you guys.